am Miss Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. This is episode seven, but if you've missed any of the other episodes, you can find those archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has old episodes downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers, or the Context for Kids YouTube channel. Now, this episode is going to be entirely different, and I'm going to teach you a way of reading the Bible that you may never have heard of before. A lot of theologians and scholars read the Bible this way because it helps them to see what the Bible does and does not say. It's called experiential reading. That's just a fancy way of saying you read the Bible like you're really there. Sometimes we read the Bible and we've been taught the story so many times that we assume things are in the story that really aren't. And when we talk about Adam and Eve starting next week, we will come across some of those things that we sometimes believe are in the Bible that really aren't there. They aren't usually things that matter that much. But sometimes children's books especially will add to the stories with assumptions that the writer's might think make the story more interesting, but if you don't know they're adding things, then you might not realize they aren't in the Bible. My favorite thing is those old books that I grew up with called the Bible story. Then they still have them today in doctor's offices. I always wondered how on earth all those people in the Bible could be whiter than I am. And I'm white. Okay, really white with perfect complexion, even though they spent all their time outside. I mean, they look like they're using like Sunblock 2000. <laughs> but when we experience the Bible, you know, like we're there, maybe imagining ourselves as a person in the crowd when Jesus is preaching and noticing what the Bible says we're doing and how we're responding um, or the Pharisees or the scribes or a disciple, or maybe even from the point of view of Jesus, the stories become real to us. They become more like what they are history. So imagine being at the foot of Mount Sinai when the dark cloud covered the top and the Lord God was hidden in the cloud and the thunder of his voice was so loud that you begged Moses to ask him to stop. Imagine being one of the 70 elders who climbed up and actually ate and drank in the presence of God. When the Bible becomes real to us and stops being just stories, that's when the adventure of reading the Bible really begins. Today, we're going to read the creation account. Now that we've spent the last, you know, five weeks studying it, I want you to close your eyes and imagine nothing around you except darkness when we do this, okay? For this one, usually if you do that with one of the Bible stories, that doesn't work. But in this one, you're floating in space, but there are no stars around you. There's no sun and there's no moon. Somewhere below you, you can hear water but you can't see it yet. What you are aware of, however, is that you're not alone. Below you, not only is there a massive ocean, but there's also something hovering over it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Can you see the Spirit of God? 
hovering over the face of the waters? No, there's no light yet. Maybe, though, you can feel the spirit as it hovers over the water, which is uh, what the Bible means when it says the deep. Hover is the word that's used to describe how a mother eagle swoops and circles around her nest of eggs. She's protecting them when she hovers. Maybe you can't see the spirit doing this, but perhaps you can hear and feel it. Or maybe you're just aware that it's there. But now I'm going to take you down to the surface of the mighty waters that seem to go on forever and ever. Let's put you in an imaginary boat, even though they haven't been invented yet and there aren't any trees to make one out of. It's still dark, and you're on the surface of the water now. Is the water still, or are you bouncing around? The Bible doesn't tell us. But now the Spirit of God is hovering above you like a mother eagle. What's going to happen next? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Did you hear that voice? What did the voice sound like? The Gospel of John says that Jesus is the creative word of God, so perhaps the voice sounds just like Jesus, who told us that he is the light of the world. And suddenly you can see there's light. You can't see what's causing the light, but it's there. What do you see? Nothing but water going on and on forever and ever. And you realize how useful and wonderful the light is. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. But the light doesn't last forever, and it gets darker, and you become aware of something new. Time is passing. You notice the differences in the light, and you realize that now you have a way to move forward, to get older, and for things to start changing. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. As you sat in pitch darkness all night, did you miss the light? Did you want it to come back? Or were you spending your time wondering about the spirit hovering above you? Or that wonderful voice that made the light appear? How would you feel when the light began to come back and you could see again? I bet it would be wonderful. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Now, hold on to your boat because things are about to get real. When the voice speaks, the sky appears above you hasn't been there before. There was only light above the water. And although the light was wonderful, compared to the darkness, now you see a sky. Is it blue without the sun? Or pink? Are there clouds or is it clear? That's the big question because God just made a space for weather to happen. Weather can't happen without the sky, and weather's good. Later, he'll make it possible for snow and rain and sunshine, for it to be warm and cold, but not yet. You spend the day looking at it and noticing how beautiful it is. Maybe you roll around to see if it's everywhere over the surface of the water. And the darkness comes again, 
as you wait for the daylight you're probably wondering what will be next well the voice is about to speak again so you'd better hold on to the sides of the boat or you're gonna get tossed overboard and god said let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear and it was so great googly moogly something's rising from the ocean and your boat got picked up and up and up and then went off shooting up in one direction on a huge wave and when you recover you look back and see something that wasn't there before it's not water it's taller than water it sticks up out of the water you row your boat over and park it on a sandy beach and you step down out of the boat for the first time can you feel the sand as you look do you see nothing but sand or can you see mountains in the distance of course there are no plants nothing but dirt and rocks and sand and mountains and water lots and lots of water god called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and god saw that it was good and you're thinking boy that was a big change today i wonder what god will do tomorrow but wait he isn't finished yet there's still a lot of work to do today and god said let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed and fruits bearing fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed each according to its kind on the earth and it was so golly bob howdy your sandy beach your rocky shore what is happening to it does it feel like an earthquake with all the trees and grasses and flowers sprouting up what kind of trees do you see is there anything good for food near you it's been a long time since you've eaten one thing for sure you see how useful the land and the plants are just what you needed the earth brought forth vegetation plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed according to its kind and god saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the third day did you sleep in the boat last night or on shore i am betting that the land is a much softer place to sleep once the plants appeared one thing for sure you're thinking there is no way god could top all the work he did yesterday it's been a busy three days god has filled his creation with light and darkness in order to give it time he created a place for weather to happen and he created the land and separated it from the seas and grew plants but what good are the plants did god create them just to have something to do or to look at And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate light from the darkness and god saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day imagine the sun appearing in the sky and imagine how wonderfully warm it would make the earth what would you think as you saw it cross the sky as the sky got darker and darker but then you noticed another change night isn't totally dark anymore there is a light in the sky and actually there are many tiny lights in the sky 
and the world you've been standing in looks very different in that kind of light very beautiful you think to yourself how perfect it all is and wonder how you ever lived without these things and god said let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens so god created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and god saw that it was good the first thing you would see are the birds what kind of birds do you see do you see seagulls eagles cardinals parrots robins or bluebirds pterodactyls the bible just says flying creatures and birds so we can fill in the blanks from our imaginations, but we have to remember that it's our imagination and not what the Bible actually says, and it can be really tricky. Then maybe you hear something splashing in the ocean. Is it a fish or a giant sea creature far offshore? Do you see a shark fin? Are those anemones and starfish in the tidal pools? Maybe. You know one thing for sure. This is a wonderful addition to the planet. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. The earth is a very different place now. With the sun and the sky comes wind, and you can hear it as it blows through the leaves on the trees and the grasses. The birds are noisy, and some of them are even noisy at night. If you stayed on the seashore, you can hear the waves as they come in. I hope you found some fruit to eat, but you know what? As wonderful as everything is, you're getting lonely. The fish are out in the sea, and the birds are in the air. There's no one to be with you. You probably go to bed wondering what God's going to do tomorrow. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Imagine waking up to the voice and seeing a cow staring you straight in the eye or a snake, or a lion, or a tiger, or whatever. Did you reach up and pet it, or did you yell and run away and get back in the boat? Don't worry. The Bible tells us in a few verses that they don't eat meat yet. <laughs> There's no violence. You aren't on the menu, and neither are they. And you smile and think of how wonderful it is that there are creatures on the earth with you, but still... It isn't perfect yet. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And God created people it doesn't say how many the word man doesn't mean just one person it means humans 
and it says them. So there could be two, or there could be thousands. We'll have to keep reading to find out. Right now it doesn't matter because people have arrived and they, men and women, are made in the image of God, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. What do they look like? We don't know. <laughs> Were they black or white or something in between? Did they have blonde hair or dark brown hair? Usually people just imagine what they see in the picture books, but the Bible doesn't tell us. The people who write the picture books usually make the people look like themselves. And that's okay. But we really don't know what the first people look like. And it doesn't matter because remember, we are all made in the image of God and he is spirit and has no color at all. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God blessed them. The only thing in creation that God blesses are the flying creatures and the water creatures and the human beings, not bugs or cows or cats or dogs. And no one knows for sure why that is. Bible doesn't say. We'll talk about what blessings are some other time, but for now, I will give you a hint. When God gives you a job to do, and when he gives you what you need to do what he asks, that's a blessing. God told the fish and the birds and the humans to be fruitful and to fill the earth, and he made it possible for them to do that. And now there are people and fish and birds everywhere. It worked. He told humans to subdue the earth and have dominion over it, and we've done that too. Because he made us clever and creative enough to live anywhere. But being made in the image of God is much more than that. And if you haven't listened to that teaching, you'll have to go back and catch it. You are very important to God's plans, you know. Back to the story. Now God speaks again to the people. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. And every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. The people must have been hungry, and maybe they were wondering what they would eat. And they looked around and saw fruit trees, and maybe they saw carrots poking up out of the ground. Think about what it was like for the first time, trying all those different fruits and berries and roots and things. Think about watching lions next to cows eating grass. Does it look funny? Does it look just perfect? Like a place without fear or violence or danger? A place with plenty to eat and no one doing anything wrong? And God saw everything that he'd made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Of course, 
We've been talking about this so you know God's work of creating was done. But his work as king of the universe was just beginning. That's what it meant for a God to rest in the ancient world, and that's what it meant to the Israelites in the desert as they thought about what God had told them. In the creation story, you know that he made the universe his realm, and the earth a very special place in it to rule over and bless. Nowadays, we read Genesis 1, and um, we see it very differently. But God was telling the Israelites amazing things about himself. That unlike the false gods of the nations around them, and especially Egypt, who had made them slaves, he created them to be special and not be slaves. He created them to rule over his creation. He created creation to be exactly what they would need because he is a loving creator and not a tyrant. Unlike the false gods, he runs the universe himself and doesn't need a god in charge of the sun and another one in charge of the rain to help him. He filled the earth and made it useful. Everything we need, and then he made us to rule over it wisely and kindly, just like he rules over us. And although the story seems silly to some people today, the way he told it to the ancient Israelites told the story of who he is and how different he is than the gods they had heard about all their lives. Always remember that God is telling us a story about himself. And nothing is more important than understanding about God and the relationship he wants with us and how he has blessed us and plans to save us through his one unique son, Jesus. You know, sometimes we forget that, and we focus on things that aren't very helpful. But I want you to remember that in the Bible, God is always teaching us about who he is and what he has done for us. And when he told the story to Moses, it was written perfectly so that they could understand it. That means that sometimes we have to learn old things when we want to hear it with their ears and see it with their eyes because our context is different than theirs was, and, and they knew things that we don't know anymore. And it's good when we can do that. But sometimes there are things that are always going to confuse us until we see him face to face and we can ask our questions. Although, you know what? Maybe we won't care anymore when we see him face to face. <laughs> Remember that the Bible is true even when we don't understand everything or we understand it wrong. It tells us that we can always trust God. It doesn't tell us that everything will always be easy or that nothing will, bad will ever happen to us, but it does tell us that God won't betray us or hurt us even when other people do. So we need to try and be like him. In all our ways, we need to be honest and kind and loving. We need to be happy when people are, be happy for people who are happy. And, and when they're sad, we need to be sad with them. We need to be generous and gentle. And we need to control ourselves. And we need to trust. And, and we need to be humble. We shouldn't think too much of ourselves because you know what? We aren't God. Even though we're very special, we can't ever lose sight of the fact that we're just created.
just like everybody else. And God loves the people who hate us and he loves the people we hate. And so, hmm, that's a big challenge. Anyway, next week we will be talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. So if you guys want to start reading Genesis 2 and 3, that would be a good idea. If you need to catch up on past episodes, check them out at contextforkids.com or contextforkids.podbean.com. And if you want to know a little bit more about what I teach about Adam and Eve that I won't talk so much about in the radio show, check out my book, Context for Kids, Volume 4, Image Bearing, Idolatry in the New Creation. I love you, and I am praying for you, and I hope you have a wonderful week studying scripture with the people who love you. You take care.